How to Create a Glitch Monologues Season 12 Chapter 3 This is Season 12 of How to Create a Glitch in the Matrix Monologues Episode 3. In this episode, we will be discussing closed thought, supposition, law giving and the consensual reality. In previous episodes we talked about how reality is by and large consensual to the extent that it mobilizes our consent to the exchange. That is to say, in the interplay between individuals spatially interacting, consent is activated by the postural release, by the giving in to the expectations of another, by the acting out of deference. Postural releases are motions that shift an individual from a discordant posture or posing, or idiosyncratic one, to one which is consonant to the expectations of the other social participant. This may mean looking away to diffuse social tension, or it may mean making a joke, or it may mean simply acting out the expectations of the other participant. But the most likely form, is a reaction which meets the expectations or predictions of the other participant. This could mean conjoined expectations, expectation matching, or it could mean acting unconsciously to benefit the other participant. Now, in the process of rationalizing oneself, exploring one's thoughts about this or that, synthesizing those thoughts or rationalizations into a reductive schema or web of associations, may have the effect of unwinding the personal from the memories, but what it cannot do is eliminate the personal inherent to them. I can redefine my memories a hundred ways, filter them through a dozen podcasts, but the moments associated with those podcasts retain the traces of the identity which underlies them. For example, in the classification scheme or web of associations constructed out of my memories, I may expand one concept out of the fabric of my eccentricity. But the vacuum created by my creativity, the archetypes, which might be filled a thousand times, can be sealed off by a single eccentric similarity with some other social participant. Let me give you an example. Imagine person 1 loves autumn and person 2 loves autumn. Now imagine that person 1 discovers that his love of autumn can be reduced to a love of cool air and a love of fleshy tones of color. That person can thus reductively distinguish those feelings into a thousand constituent feelings, but the moment that he meets 2 he will immediately find a gateway between 1 and 2, follows, regardless of these deconstructions. To put it in more complete terms, although nature abhors a vacuum, it would much prefer to plug it with something it has, as opposed to something new. The same goes for the creation of new archetypes and narrative. Now, further to the above analysis, we can say that we exist in a consensual reality to the extent that our consent is mobilized by the release of tension, created by our submission to the will of another, the expectations of another. But we can also say that our absence is required by the expression of certain facets of others' being, the consensual requiring we excuse ourselves for the expression as opposed to repression. We can say that in our absence, that expression manifests the tension that our consensual experience dissipates. This tells us that the cues that we take from others, and our contingency upon them that is, the extent to which we act on others through indirect ground, or a perception of the other determine our reality. Outside our consent is a panoply of behaviors, benign, neutral, and repugnant. But within our consent, marked out by the incisive suppositions, rules, laws, provided by those upon which we build a perception to act, it is those cues we take that define the substance of our reality. Be all that as it may, 
the tension preserved by the non-consensual reality running parallel to this consensual one we take for granted is constructed out of our inhibitions and the negating thoughts that describe them. For example, in the shadow of your action hides a deep-seated fear of something. To the extent that that fear impedes your action, inhibits your action, such are closed or suppositional thoughts, which you telegraph to your colleagues and to the substance of their consensual reality through cues. But parallel to that consensual reality is a reality which is non-consensual, which defies your inhibitions and the behaviors that comprise them. Nevertheless, the mere fact that you telegraph cues to those who comprise your consensual reality says nothing about whether they are taking those cues and acting upon them. The mere fact of your consent does not compel the consent of others. Your consensual reality may look very different than theirs. I reiterate, consensual reality does not mean objective. It is consensual because there is some overlap in the substrate of two people's experience, but that substrate is the barest kind, merely the body movements which produce parallel consensual, deferent, pathways, upon which we build our perceptions. We exist in proximity to each other, that is all. That's the end of the podcast for today. If you enjoyed it, please like, comment, and subscribe.